Hello, good morning, and I thought I'd start this morning by wishing you a very happy February. <laughs> you know, I bet there's lots of us who are really relieved to have made it out of a long, dark January. You know, the nights are beginning to get a little lighter, you know, people are getting vaccinated, and it just feels like maybe there's an increasing bit of hope that soon we'll be out of such a strict, tight lockdown. And I'm just having to constantly remind myself in this season that God is at work, that he is here doing something in the midst of it all. You know, I hope lots of us were encouraged when we tuned into uh, the Vineyard National Conference last week. And um, I, I just thought there was so many great talks, uh, just such timely messages of hope and encouragement into the season. And all the talks that I listened to were extremely challenging. And I feel like I'm still processing lots of what was said. But in the last week in particular, I've been thinking about the talk on the first night um, shared by Pete Gregg, and there was lots of things he shared that just really spoke and encouraged me. But one of the things in particular was how he reminded us that often it's in past moves of God, in past revivals, that it's often in times of crisis that people are driven to this desperate prayer, that often it's at times when the world seems to be shaking all around, that people are moved to pray, that actually the uncertainty and crisis seems to be like the seedbed for passionate and fervent prayer to see God intervene, to see God move and how this is the story of many revivals and, and he just shared how he just felt that, that actually in this season it was no different, that God is about to do something. And then he also shared a quote from a lady called Arundhati Roy uh, who said this, that historically pandemics have forced humans to break with the past and imagine their world anew. And that this one is no different. It's a portal, a gateway between one world and the next. You know, as I pondered on that quote, I thought it was really powerful. As I meditated on that, I found myself wondering if this were to be true in our lives. If this were to be true in this moment and in our church and in our city, how would we reimagine the world that we live in? You know, what would we like to see the world around us look like? What would we like to see on the other side of this pandemic? What are the things that we feel stirred to put our time and effort and energy to work towards? And could it be possible that God might even use this tragic and heartbreaking stretching season of our lives to begin to move and put new foundations in place of something new that he wants to do? You know, could it be like a Romans 8, 28 moment that God would use all things for good for those that love him? You know, Jesus is at work. Jesus is at work building his kingdom and he is not absent in, absent in the midst of all that's going on. He is stirring our hearts. He is stirring the heart of his church to, to serve our neighbours, to love one another, to begin to dream, to begin to, to think about what it could look like, you know, to, to, to want to partner with him to help build his kingdom. And, and I just feel like the Lord's been stirring my heart recently with this invitation, will you help me build? And I've got to be honest, as I've pondered that invitation in so many ways, I feel inexperienced. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to build. And maybe at times I feel like I don't even know what to build or where to start. But I do know that God is looking to do a new thing and that God is looking for people who are willing to partner with him in the new thing that he's doing. You know, as we look around the world, 
there is so much brokenness in so many ways, you know, socially, economically, spiritually, there's brokenness all around us. And I just believe that God is interested in every part of it, that he wants to redeem the world and not just people, that actually it's all kingdom and that God is looking to send his people willing to go into these areas to partner with him to build and to rebuild in the midst of these broken areas. You know, I began to think about builders in the Bible and actually realized that there were loads. You know, Noah built the ark, David built Jerusalem, Solomon built the temple, Ezra rebuilt the temple. And then I came to the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah, who rebuilt the walls of the city. And it's this particular story that we're going to look at over the next season, that we're going to study together and we're going to unpack as we just think a little bit around what does it mean to build the kingdom? See, God wants to invite each one of us, you know, in our individual lives, but also as a church together to partner with him in the building process. He wants to use his people to do it. Maybe we don't have a clue what it is that God's asking us to build. Maybe we do and we just don't know where to start. And my prayer for us as we go through this series, as we study the book of Nehemiah, that we would use it to, um, that in, in these kind of final few weeks or even a month or so of lockdown, we would use this time to really listen in the quiet place. That, that God would be stirring our hearts, that he would be depositing dreams and visions of the things that he is asking us to do in partnership with him. And so there's lots to learn from the book of Nehemiah as we explore the theme of building and partnering with God to build. And so today we're going to start in chapter one, right at the beginning. Um, and so as we start, I think it would be good to just look at a little bit of context. Uh, you know, maybe you're familiar with the story of Nehemiah, maybe you've never heard of him. Um, so I think it would be good to just give a bit of background so we understand what is going on in this moment as we start reading the book of Nehemiah. So the year is 586 BC. The Babylonian army has invaded and destroyed Jerusalem. They've destroyed Solomon's beautiful temple. It was the heart of people's spirituality. It was the heart of their national identity. The Babylonians have burnt the city to the ground and they've forced the inhabitants of Jerusalem to walk a thousand miles across the desert, taken into exile in Babylonia. Their own king has been taken prisoner, blinded, shackled and absolutely humiliated. In this moment for the Jewish people, it feels like their past has been destroyed and their future is slavery. You know, God's people, whose very identity is the fact that God rescued them from slavery, that he took them out of Egypt. And now in this moment, they're being sent back into slavery. If we fast forward a hundred years, the people are still living in Babylon. They're still living in a foreign land and looking to hold on to their faith. Nehemiah is an Israelite living in Babylon. He's grown up there and he's heard stories of what life was like before the exile. And in that context, he's risen to a place of great prominence in Babylon as he works as a cupbearer to the king, which is an incredibly significant position. You know, you have to be trusted by the king to be the cupbearer. And so we join the story where news has reached Nehemiah of the, the desolate, broken state of the land of his fathers, the brokenness of the Jewish capital. And as he hears this report, his heart is broken. 
And he determines in that moment that he's going to do something about it, that he is going to help rebuild the city. And so this is the story of how he does it against incredible odds. So why don't we read together from Nehemiah chapter one. If you've got a Bible, why don't you flick there? Maybe you want to grab your mobile, look up your Bible app. So Nehemiah in the Old Testament, why don't we read it together? So starting from chapter one, verse one. Nehemiah's prayer. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanai, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the Lord of heaven. And then I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and love of love with those who love him and obey his commands. Let your ears be attentive to, to the prayer and your eyes open and hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and mighty hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favour in the presence of this man. I was the cupbearer to the king. So the first thing that we see in this passage is how God is beginning to stir Nehemiah's heart for the plight of his people. You know, we see how Nehemiah was comfortable. He was successful and living in a fine Persian city known for its opulence and its riches and prosperity, magnificent buildings. But God begins to stir his heart for the plight of his people. Nehemiah begins to sense that God has something else for him. And it's the beginning of a process that's going to change everything for Nehemiah and for the people of Israel. For Nehemiah, it means a change of circumstance, a change of job from the dignified and trusted role of a palace steward to becoming a building site manager, from living in a comfortable capital city to living in a desolate and dangerous place. You know, it may be that you're comfortable or feel like you have life altogether, or maybe at least that's how we felt before the pandemic. <laughs> but maybe the Holy Spirit has been drawing close to you and stirring and laying things on your heart in this season. Things that have the potential to massively disrupt your future. That's what's happened here. You know, maybe you feel like God has blessed you and, and you know that you're comfortable, but you're beginning to ask, but what is it for? You know, where's the adventure? There must be more. Maybe God is putting on your heart a particular people, uh, a particular problem or an issue in society. I just wonder, is there a new direction that God has for you? Maybe God is calling you to use your resources and your connections and your skills for some new cause. 
rather than just making a comfortable life for ourselves. You know, it can be so tempting. Nehemiah means Yahweh comforts. But before God can comfort the Israelites through Nehemiah, Nehemiah himself must first be discomforted. You know, I once heard someone say that God is a God who comforts the, afflicts, the afflicted, but he afflicts the comfortable. You know, that's an interesting thought. Do you feel afflicted today and in need of comfort? If you do, then God wants to draw near to you. Or maybe today you feel comfortable and in need of having your life shaken up a bit. You know, maybe God wants to draw near to you. You know, is God using this season to stir his church and his people out of a place of comfort and into the rules and the callings that he has for us to do? See, God can be disruptive. He can be challenging. He can, pre- he can provoke. He can provoke comfortable hearts for the sake of his kingdom and invite us to partner and go on an adventure with him. Nehemiah was well off and in a greatly comfortable and privileged position, but his heart was being broken by something much bigger than his comfort. I want to ask us this morning, what is it that God's stirring our hearts for? What cause in the world or our city or our workplaces or our neighbourhood is connecting with our hearts right now? You know, maybe it's to see poverty eradicated. Maybe it's to see healthy relationships and marriages. Maybe it's to see better mental health, healing, physical and emotional. To see healthy businesses that can release resources for the kingdom of God. To see the lost saved, for people to discover that they are loved and that they have purpose and, and things to do in the world. What is the cause on your heart? And are you paying attention to it? Or have we become comfortable and settled in living a simple life? You know, maybe this is a time to return to the last place that God spoke to us. You know, Nehemiah quotes scriptures. He quotes God's promises in prayer, the promises of God over his people. You know, what are the words and the promises of God that we've had spoken over our lives? Now maybe it's time to pick up some of those old words, some of the things that have been spoken over us and allow them to stir our hearts afresh and take them to God in prayer. Secondly, what does Nehemiah do as his heart is stirred? He prays. He doesn't sit down and say a nice British prayer, but actually we see here verses three and four, this persevering prayer. He weeps, he mourns, he fasts as he prays. When did we last pray like that? Have we ever prayed like that? You know, we'll go on to look at Nehemiah's great adventure and his achievements, but we need to know that all that would not have happened if it were not for this moment, for this lifestyle of of surrendered, brokenhearted, compassionate, faith-filled prayer. He turns to God in prayer. He mourns, he fasts. You know, maybe we want the glory story, uh, but are we willing to first come in the secret place and allow God to break our heart for his kingdom cause? You know, we want to build the walls of a generation, but are we able to allow the walls of our own hearts to first be broken down? We see how here Nehemiah gets with God. His heart is broken for the plight of his people and it begins in this place of prayer. And as he's moved by prayer, 
And as he, as we see this kind of broken-hearted moment, it's in this moment that he receives authority and a commission from heaven to go and do something about it. Nehemiah's mission was born out of the place of prayer. His authority came through the place of prayer and fasting and weeping and mourning that which had been lost. And are we prepared to pay the same price for God to impart his heart and his authority to us? And I'm often reminded that the words of the words of that Hillsong song that I'm sure many of us know, you know, break my heart for what breaks yours. You know, those are powerful lyrics, but are we truly willing to pray that in our own lives? Are we truly willing to allow the Lord to break our heart for his kingdom cause? Broken to the point where we're willing to receive the mission to work into these areas of brokenness. Nehemiah begins the vision in prayer. He continues the vision in prayer. And throughout the book, we see there are nine recorded prayers. You know, symbolically for us, the walls of our cities are under attack and have been broken down. You know, broken families, broken relationships, broken governments, broken communities. You know, the list goes on and that is not God's heart for the world. Each one of us has a calling to bring life in Jesus into these areas of our world. And, and for each one of us, that looks different. You know, we have a calling as a church, as Sterling Vineyard, to partner with God in serving the broken in our city. You know, we want to share the hope and love of Jesus. Our city needs Jesus. They need to know his goodness and his love and his justice and his freedom and his healing and his fullness of life and his power. And for me, I'm still figuring out what that looks like. And I know that I need to pray. I know that we need to pray. And I want to strategize and pray with people who know who they are and know what they're called to. And we find that out as we come to the Lord in prayer. You know, I want to pray together with people who are prepared to have their heart broken, who are prepared to go where it is that God asks. You know, we have our prayer meeting coming up this Thursday. So we have it the second Thursday of every month. And I want to invite you to come, come along to the prayer meeting. Let's not let the prayer meeting become the forgotten meeting of the church, but let's make it the main event. You know, we don't go to prayer meetings for what we can get out of it, but we come ready to pray. We come for what we can bring. We come with the things that God has burdened our hearts for in our cities and our communities and our friendships and our families. And we come ready to pray. And maybe some of us find that hard and that's okay. It's fine just to come and to listen. But I just really want to encourage us to come and join that meeting. You know, there's no right or wrong way of praying. You know, there's no special words or position that we have to adopt. That You know, nothing makes us kind of more spiritual as we pray. And I just want to ask that we would just come with the, the passion and the things that God has placed on our hearts so that we can pray together, so that we can support each other and pray the things that God has put on our hearts. Let's be the church together as we call on heaven to move and that we would be willing to respond when God says, okay, I've heard your prayers and now I'm going to give you authority and I'm sending you. I realise we're so good at petitioning God to do things. You know, God, would you do that? God, would you move over there? But the truth is, what we see with Nehemiah is that as he prays, as his heart is broken, he's also commissioned to go. As he prays, God gives him all that he needs to become the answer to his own prayers. 
let's remember after all that the Great Commission is that we would go. God wants us to go into all the world and make disciples. You know, my prayer for each one of us this morning is that God would show us afresh who we are and what we were for. And, you know, I understand that great things don't happen overnight. You know, God is a God of process and growth. He rewards faithfulness and obedience and grows us up in knowledge and gifting and responsibility. And, and so we can't expect overnight results to the big dreams and visions that God is placing on our hearts. But we can begin to build bit by bit. You know, even the biggest buildings require deep foundations and the foundation are laid often in that hidden secret place. But let's remember that the vision, no matter how great or small, is received and planted and rooted and watered in that place of prayer. Authority is given in that place of prayer. I want to just finish by just asking God, would you truly meet with us in this season? God, would you truly break our hearts for what breaks yours? Let's pray to finish. Thank you, God. Father, I just want to thank you this morning for the, the privilege of knowing you. God, I thank you for the privilege that, that, God, you want to partner with us. You want to use us, Lord. Father, would you help us today to, to make time to, to listen to what it is that you have placed in our hearts, what it is that your Holy Spirit is stirring in each one of us. God, what are the areas of passion that you have placed within us? God, we just give you time just now. Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts this morning? God, I thank you for dreams and visions and words. I thank you for the seeds that you have already sown in hearts this morning. And God, I even pray for fresh seeds to fall now. Fresh dreams, fresh visions, fresh passions, God. Lord, would you come, Holy Spirit. And I just come against the voices this morning that want to tell us that we can't. And I just pray for a new, a new sense of hope, a new sense of equipping, a new sense of empowering God as we come to that secret place. Lord, help us build a life of prayer. Help us build a life of pursuing and seeking your voice. Help us to be obedient to the things that you have placed in our hearts and the things that you're asking us to do. Lord, help us honour you with every area of our lives. And would you continue to speak in our homes, in our places of rest, in our quiet times with you this week. I just pray for a new sense of the Holy Spirit speaking over us and into our hearts this week. Just open our ears to hear you, God, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.